Hello all and welcome to the seventh episode of our Poetry and Devotion podcast where I read some poetry and we spend some time sharing testimony and spending time in devotion to the Lord. The poem I'll be reading today is called Kingly Suit. It's about the pursuit of personal gain, of selfish ambition, and ultimately trying to be successful in the world as opposed to being successful in the Lord's eyes. When we act in pursuit of our own ambition, we cannot hope to walk in love as love is sacrificial and it's unconditional to those around us. The Lord so loved the world that he gave us his only son, and we as children of God are called to walk in this love. Ephesians 5 2 says, And walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So without further ado, here is Kingly Seat. Kingly Seat. Help me over rugged rocks, through valleys and cracked ravines. Set my path for the mountaintops, scaling the summit of my dreams. In my sleep I'll climb atop, and see the world beneath my feet. But none I knew were gathered there, just myself and my kingly seat. I called and called for my friends to come, and see the things that I had done. I set my trumpet sound aloud, my song of songs was rung out proud. My messengers went to all the earth to speak of all my victories. The war and wages and bedside won, how I tore apart my enemies. I sat and longed for the crowds to come, to sing their praises to their king. But all my friends, their eyes were lifted higher, to the Lord of their eternal spring. As I said before, the poem is about my own selfish ambition, the pursuit of my own kingly seat on earth seeking fame, wealth, victory, and power over those around me. In the first stanza, I call upon God to help me achieve these things, and I use the name of the Lord to rise the ranks and achieve status and power and wealth. It's a twisted version of provision. Calling on Jehovah Jireh, I'll provide it, to give me things in accordance with my own selfishness rather than in accordance with His will for my life. I'll use it to climb to the top of the mountain, scaling the summit of my dreams. I say that I'm asleep here because I'm not awake. I have died to my selfishness, to my sins. I'm therefore not seeing or setting my eyes on what is righteous. But I am asleep. I'm wandering the valley of desolation. I'm setting my eyes on what is unrighteous, on what is selfish, on what is dead. Ultimately, though, when I do reach my kingly seat above the whole world, no one was gathered there to applaud me. While I was seeking fame, no one wanted to praise me on my throne of selfishness. I expected that my success would grant me acceptance and praise and love from the world. Yet when I was seated there, no one loved me. I'd achieved my status through hate and aggression, not through love. And so in return, I did not receive love from any. Meanwhile, my friends had set their eyes on love and so didn't validate my success. Indeed, they did not see that I had even achieved any success in any form. Their success came from love, from God, their eternal spring. They had set their eyes on their eternal spring. This eternal spring that I say here is the source of never-ending love, truth, joy, and peace, all the fruits of the spirit of love. The river that flows out of their hearts when we walk in love is an eternal spring. It nurtures and sustains our souls, and our lives bear the fruits of the Spirit that dwells within us, the Spirit of love.
I grew up thinking that I always needed to be correct, that I always needed to be successful in order to be accepted. In my mind, it was the popular vote that mattered, and without that validation, I wasn't good enough to receive any love. My mom was amazing, and she always supported me in anything that I wanted to try out and encouraged me to challenge myself with anything. When I was in primary school, I did just about every single extracurricular activity possible, and also all the sports on top of that. She made it work no matter what, and was always taking me to practice, and picking me up, and fetching me, and taking me to and throw, and she did this for my sisters as well, and then encouraging me and providing me with verbal affirmation along the way as well. She was my biggest cheerleader and would do anything to see me succeed in whatever I was doing or whatever I set my mind to. I was also born with a competitive personality, you know, a want-to-win type of mentality, which is a great thing when used in the right circumstance. And I feel most kids are born, or I feel most kids that are born with this mentality take years to understand and control it. For me, my mom's positivity, coupled with my competitiveness, (laughs) merged at some point, and I needed to win everything. Even in preschool, I became jealous of my mates when they were getting more laughs or, you know, getting, uh, becoming more popular than me, even back in preschool. And this continued right throughout my whole school career. To make matters worse, I was fairly talented in a range of things and I was cast as leads in school plays and I was the captain of the cricket team and I wasn't too bad at maths as well. Everything that makes you cool in primary school I was pretty good at and it bloated my self-image to the point where I didn't just need to win but that I thought that I deserved to win as well. This was a picture of myself was shattered when I was 12 when we moved to Singapore. I started at a new international school and I went from a year group size of less than 100 to well over 350 kids. And suddenly there, I wasn't the best at anything. And I feared that I wasn't going to be validated or loved because I wasn't the best anymore. My fear grew and I started to try to control the environment around me so that I would win. And I thought that if I could just win, that I would be accepted and loved. And I developed the typical alpha male syndrome, you know, kind of personality, aggressive and argumentative, always trying to work everything so that I was right and that I was correct and that I would be successful in order to be accepted. This pattern reached a climax when I was 15 and I broke my hand while punching someone. I was on cricket tour and a mate was just having some banter and taking the mickey out of me, but he was mocking a failure of mine when I, the way that I had gotten out in a previous match. I couldn't handle my failure being on display so publicly and that my teammates might see that I wasn't the best. I got angry at him and I punched him in the back of the head when he walked past me. Needless to say, he was fine and I broke my hand. <laughs> And, you know, cricket was my sport. It was the thing that I desperately needed to be successful in. And so when I had a failure in cricket, it was the trigger of a bigger self-worth complex that I was having. And as I grew up in my late teens and my early 20s, my aggression subsided and my fear turned inwards. And when I failed, I didn't become angry anymore. I became depressed. Each failure was a hit on my self-worth to the point where every single run or every single wicket was directly tied to my happiness. If I had a bad match, I sunk deeper into depression. 
My thought process went from, I am too blessed and talented to be second best, to, I am not worthy of happiness because I am second best. I eventually gave up cricket for my mental health and replaced it with other worldly pursuits for a short time before I found the Lord. It was by his love that I became alright with being second. I had to understand that I was already accepted, that I am already worthy of happiness, that I am worthy of not being depressed, that I have been designed in his image and therefore I'm worthy. One of my favourite songs is Poetry by Taylor Leonhardt. And the chorus goes, I will not hang my head, his banner is over me. He said I am his poetry, he won't waste the word. Ultimately, I am already enough. I am already loved. He designed me as I am for a reason. Every decision he made about me is perfect. Everything he made in me is perfect. I don't need to succeed in the world to be loved because he loved me from before I was born. And to me, he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who so loved me that he sacrificed himself on the cross for my sins and my shortcomings. So in him, I don't need to seek worldly fame or affection or acceptance or love. And I don't need to fear not being loved because he loves me. In coming to understand that, I killed the spirit of selfish pursuit that lived within me, and now I find peace that flows in the eternal spring. I will end with reading Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word was on my tongue, you, Lord, knew it completely. You hem me in and behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked, away from me, you, are, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent, and your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead us, Lord, to your everlasting spring and help us to walk exalted in the spirit of your name, in the spirit of love.